We would like to thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Join us as we embark on a new series on worship titled, Bless the Lord. David, who would one day be king of Israel, penned these words in Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. These words should inspire us to dive deeper into the scriptures to discover what would cause men like David to live an expressive lifestyle of worship. We all worship. The question is, will we bless the Lord? We believe God will move powerfully as you apply these principles of worship to your everyday life. If you would like more information on the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com. Well, this morning we're going to continue in a series called Bless the Lord. And uh, this is a series on worship. And you remember our, our, our verse that we're memorizing? Maybe you have it memorized already. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1 says this. Why don't we say it together? It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's pretty good. You should have that memorized. Um, I, I want you to understand something from Psalm 34 is that our corporate worship gathering can lead to a personal encounter with God. Uh, David makes this bold statement about wanting to praise the Lord all of the time, continually. Why? Because in just a few verses, he said, I called out to the Lord and he delivered me of all of my fears. Listen, when we come together and we worship, you ought to be looking for a personal encounter with the King of all kings. He is the reason we worship. He's the reason that we gather. And, and we've got to determine some things as a, as a church and even as believers that our worship is going to match the heart of Psalm 34, which is that our worship is going to be committed. I will. It's like I will. I choose to bless the Lord. It's going to be continual it's going to be at all times, not based on circumstance, and that it's going to be contagious. Verse 3, he says, he says, come, let us exalt the Lord together. There is something, and we're going to talk about that and touch on that a little bit today, about the, really the contagious nature of, of worship. And remember, worship is our response to who God is and what he has done. It is first a response to who he is and that he's God. You know, when you, when you read the book of Revelation and you find out the actual scene in heaven, it, the only thing you can think is that if I was there before the throne, I would have to be on my face because God is awesome. He is awe-inspiring. And so this morning, I want us to continue to grow in this idea of Worship. You say, what, what does the, the word worship mean? Uh, simply, it means to attribute worth. But the word in Greek used over and over again in the New Testament is proskuneo. It literally means to aim your affection toward heaven. It means to kiss toward. That's what it means. It means to release your affection to him. 
And we're going to talk about that uh, in, in, a, in a coming, about how we release our affection to God. Uh, but this morning, I want to share with you a message from Acts chapter 16. And you can turn there if you'd like. Turn to Acts chapter 16. We're going to look beginning in verse 23. I'm going to share with you a message called Worshiping in the Dark. Worshiping in the Dark. I love the scriptures. the 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 scriptures are 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 just full of direction and insight for us who truly want to live a biblical life. Acts sixteen, beginning in verse twenty three, says this: And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved. Let's just pray here for a moment. Lord, I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us through this passage. Uh, Lord, we don't want to, Lord, collect information, but we want a revelation of who you are, Lord God. Lord, we don't want just another notebook full of notes, Lord. We want you to write on our hearts, Lord, something that changes us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this is a this is a, a an amazing uh, passage of scripture where Paul and Silas are out doing ministry in Philippi, and uh, I, I just want to I want to tell you a few years ago I got to go to Philippi and uh, had I had quite an encounter in, in this place. I was uh, they they actually had a little bit of a. Uh, of a stadium that's kind of set up, you know, and they, they, it's ancient. And what they would do is, is they would actually scribe people's names or their initials on their seats. So uh, dignified people, when they would arrive to hear the newest thing or, or whatever they were proclaiming in that region, the dignified people, they would just come up and, and sit on the seats. And I actually climbed up in this place, and I'm walking around, and I'm praying in Philippi, which is, it was, was, was mind-blowing. Um, and I, I came up on the seat, and it was, it was etched, P-O. I'm like, I got a seat in Philippi. I am like, that's my seat. <laughs> it was an amazing thing. Um, but what I want to share with you today is that I actually saw what was left of the prison. I saw what was left of this prison, of this scene. And can I just tell you, that prison couldn't hold anything. It was totally broken open. And they wouldn't allow anybody to go near it. And, and you, you know, they kind of coordinate it off. But the prison 
was completely broken. And they spoke of the earthquake that broke the prison. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This broken prison and how this prison got completely broken. And it's amazing. And what we find here is the scene of Paul and Silas. And they have actually been ministering uh, to the Lord and, and actually following the instruction of God. They're following God's call. And in the middle of following God's call and doing what the Lord has told them to do, they come under intense persecution. And they are beaten and bleeding and bruised and falsely accused. And yet, they find themselves worshiping. They're worshiping. And I, 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 I just want you to, to begin to process with me what might have been going through Paul and Silas's mind. As they are not just in a regular cell, they're in the inner prison. The worst of the worst and their feet in stocks for doing the right thing. And what they arrived at, the appropriate thing to do was to worship. And I want to draw some things from this story so that you and I can encounter what Paul and Silas encountered from worship. Here's three things that you need to know about worship that we can learn from this story. First thing, I already mentioned it, worship is appropriate. Worship is appropriate. Well, uh, it says at ver verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. When is worship appropriate? Midnight. We learn from Psalm 34, at all times, at all times. It's not circumstantial. When is it appropriate? Can you imagine? These two men are praying and singing in midnight when other people are sleeping. I know what we would say. I'm calling the homeowners association. There needs to be a noise ordinance. They're being too loud. It's midnight. It's midnight. And you find that it's appropriate when at midnight and right after false accusation and beatings and imprisonment. Worship was appropriate after being beaten after being imprisoned, after being maligned in front of this region, worship was appropriate. Now, um, I, I, I do, I do want to say some things. Um, uh, you, you ever do something, you deserve the consequences? Anybody ever been in that situation? That's, that's one level that you could find some humility from the beating that you take, proverbially speaking, I hope. Um, you know, uh, but, uh, but when you actually do the right thing and you're persecuted, are you going to find then that worship is appropriate? Or I, I think many people are tempted in that moment to say worship doesn't work. 
And yet Paul and Silas says, no, my worship is working. My worship of God is working. They didn't see the, the false accusation as an indicator that they were on the right path, or, or the wrong path, rather. They, they actually saw it like, I'm in prison. We are on track. I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping God. Why? Because God is worthy. God is worthy. When is he worthy? He's worthy all the time. And we have to get in our spirit that I have to worship above my circumstance. And listen, you may not take a physical beating, but young people in here, you're going to walk up and down hallways and your faith in God will be challenged. And you may be taking a beating physically, uh, you know, in, in your mind, saying, man, I'm being persecuted, I'm being, I'm being challenged, my, my faith in God. I'm, and and you're, you're just like, ah, oh, is this worship really working? Yes, it's working, and worshiping God in that moment is appropriate. Listen, when we really live for Christ, we will suffer persecution. So when, when is it right to worship? It's worship at midnight. And where, where, how about that? Let's answer that question. Where is it appropriate? It's appropriate in prison. The prison that you don't belong in. It's appropriate right then. It's appropriate right now in whatever prison you find yourself in. Whether you put yourself there or whether you've been put there. Worship is appropriate in the prison. And I want to go on and just say that worship is not only appropriate in prison, it's appropriate in public. It's appropriate in public. Because here's, here's the thing, you've got to understand that their worship actually preceded this moment of, of praying and hymn singing because it started in verse 16 and it said, now it happened as they went to prayer. A certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days, but Paul greatly annoyed, one of my favorite passages, and Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Listen, this is what you need to understand. Paul's public worship led to this slave girl's freedom. It was his public worship of God that he was willing to worship God at all times. Did you notice that the demon was actually saying the right thing? Saying the right thing. Coming from the wrong place. And Paul gets annoyed. And he turns in obedience to God. Because I don't believe that Paul would have done this in disobedience. Turns in, even though he got annoyed. He turns in obedience to God and commands that spirit to come out. I love this because, <laughs> because here's, here's what happens. This slave girl immediately got free and her masters became mad. They saw that all of the money they could make from her possession was gone. Now listen, this is really where, uh, I would say this, where God and little g God's 
collide. This is where the God of all gods is on display and the gods who men worship actually is trying to raise his head. You know the God? Money. And the people in that city saw that the God that they'd been serving money had been cut off under the hand of the one and true only God. And they are fretting because now they cannot make the money from her any longer. I love this. They knew whatever happened to her couldn't be undone. That's a good word. They saw all my hope for profit through that one is gone. You know what that means? That slave girl got set free. She got set free. Why? Because a man named Paul decided he was taking his worship public. And he turns in that moment and in worship of God, in adoration of God, in obedience to God, says, you come out of her now in Jesus' name. And she got so free, it couldn't be undone. And that's why they ended up in prison. Worship is appropriate. Worship is appropriate. Now listen, worship is also attractive. Worship is attractive. And no, young men, not like you're thinking. Verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns, and the prisoners were listening to them. Can you just think of that for a moment? I mean, these, most of the people in the prison are there because they deserve to be. Maybe they're thieves. Maybe they're murderers. And they're listening to the worship of Paul and Silas. Why? Because there is something attractive about these new prisoners who were worshiping. They, they were in the same prison, but those prisoners are free. And we prisoners are bound. They're free. Their feet are in stocks. Our feet are not in stocks. And yet, they are more free than are we. There was something attractive about this worship that drew these prisoners in. And Jesus said these powerful words in John chapter 12, verse 32, which I believe lends itself to what was happening in the heart of these prisoners. It says, Jesus said, and if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. By the way... This is kind of misquoted, and this is just a personal pet peeve. We think that if we lift up or if we praise Jesus, that that's actually what draws people. That's actually not what draws people. The work of the cross 
actually draws people. And when we, as his sons and daughters, lift up the cross in our own lives and in our congregation, then people are drawn to Jesus. Now listen, Jesus' act of worship through the cross draws all men. And our response, like Paul and Silas, has the same attractive qualities. Our willing response to the cross to repent and to respond to the genuine love of God will cause men to listen to our lives. Genuine worship is attractive. It's attractive. And worship not only attracts listeners, but it attracts God. Oh, this is amazing. James chapter 4. Many of you know it. This is a great passage. you gotta, you got to let your heart be stirred over this. It, it, it says this, that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's saying, listen, get ready. The God of all purity, the God of all glory is going to come to you. All you have to do is draw near to him. And he will draw near to you. You see, worship is attractive not only to people, but to the God of heaven. And I don't know what it looks like in the spirit, our drawing near to God, okay? What does that look like? Does it, does it look like this in the spirit, just, just the micro step? And here's God on the throne in heaven. We take a micro step to him, and he's coming in. He's coming toward us. He's drawn to us. When we worship, when we draw near, listen, if our drawing near is ever so small, God's drawing near must be much larger than that. And then we, we have to understand that worship is so attractive, God shows up. And then when God shows up, then we understand this last point, worship is appreciated. Worship is actually appreciated by God. God is moved by our worship. If you could just get a revelation of that statement before, if you, if you didn't get anything else today, God is moved by your worship. God is moved by your worship. You say, are you sure about that? I'm so sure that, uh, about God being moved by your worship. I could, I could spend literally hours pouring over the scriptures that he's even moved by the sound of your voice. That he's moved by who you are. He pours favor over you. At times even dances over you. I mean, he loves you. And he is moved by your worship. He's moved by your worship. Listen how moved he was by Paul and Silas. Acts 16, 26 says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Listen, worship moved God. God said, I so appreciate the worship that I'm going to do something they weren't even asking for. They weren't even seeking this. I'm not sure that they knew that they would ever get out of this prison. But worship is appreciated by God. God shows up when we worship. And in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, listen, now the Lord is the Spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when God was moved and appreciated the worship, what happened to the prison? When the God of all liberty shows up. When God shows up, foundations are first shaken. And then doors swing open and then chains fall off. Notice, he shakes the foundation of the prison. And this is actually a revelation. This whole moment is a revelation of what the cross actually produces. The freedom that God gives in Christ. See, first, God comes to those. He draws you by his spirit. And when you begin to respond to him in repentance, by the way, repentance is an act of worship. God so appreciates it, what's he do? He shakes the foundations of sin that you have been trapped in your whole life. And with the earthquake, by the way, guess what was at, guess what was at the last breath of Christ? An earthquake. And when you accept what Jesus did for you on the cross, there comes an earthquake to the prison of sin. And God shakes that prison of sin. And let me just tell you, I saw the prison in Philippi and what it looked like after it experienced an earthquake that God, dis that God brought to that prison. Have you ever seen what the prison of sin looks like in a person's life after it's been shaken by an earthquake called grace? Come on, it can't be rebuilt. It can't be rebuilt. Listen, this is so good. This is so good. First, the earthquake shakes the foundation, and the cross sets people free from the prison of sin. Romans 6.14 says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are under law, but or you're not under law, but under grace. Listen, you ought to just celebrate. We haven't heard that scripture enough. We said, no, 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 no. I, I know the, uh, that, um, that, that somewhere in the Bible it just says, yep, we're just all sinners. Because we've heard that a lot. We've heard that a lot. And it's quoted like it's scripture. The unfortunate part is that it's not. We sin, but we're actually called sons. We're actually called daughters. We're actually called redeemed heirs. We're actually called a royal priesthood. We're actually called set apart. We're actually called the, 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 the four-letter word that we don't hear very often in the church, holy. We're called holy. And so what's the Lord saying? He's saying, listen, I am setting you free and sin shall not have dominion over you. And the worship of God is so appreciated, he shakes the foundation of the prisons. And second, the, the prison doors were opened. And I want to just tell you, your circumstance cannot hold you. You need to say it over that situation. My circumstance cannot hold me. Why? Because the God of all freedom is coming to me. When I worship him, he is moved. He is coming close. He is drawing near. And I cannot be held by this circumstance. I am victorious. Why? Because I'm convinced that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am convinced that this, this the prison doors will be flung open. Why? Because Jesus announced 
At the beginning of his ministry, as he was reading in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4, he quoted Isaiah 61. He says, but the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Listen, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Listen, to set at liberty those who were oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You have to understand that the people of Israel would be very attached to those two statements because they have been led captive several times by nations who would dominate them and they were helpless to defend themselves against. And Jesus said, I have come to set those captives free. He's saying, your Roman occupation, Jewish people, cannot hold you. Think about that for a moment. When the political party that you do not like is reigning in the White House. I know you're not supposed to say things like that, Pastor. But I am going to say it. Because your circumstances can't hold you. What if you were living in a communist nation? Would it hold you then? Or a socialist nation, would it hold you then? No, no, no. Jesus said, I've come to set you free. And they were, they were actually being dominated by the Romans at the time. And were not their own free nation. Jesus sets the prisoners free and the doors come open. And the third thing that happened in that prison is their chains fell off. Their chains fell off. Not only did the prison get destroyed and the doors come open, their chains fell off. What does that symbolize? That symbolizes every uh, sinful action, sinful behavior, it no longer holds you. It fell off. John 8, 36 makes this very clear. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Their chains fell off. Whose chains fell off? This is worth noting. Whose chains fell off? Just those who were praying and singing hymns? No. Everyone's chains fell off. Every prisoner, every guilty prisoner's chains, everyone who had rightfully been put into a prison, had their doors came open, their prison broken up, their doors were up, and their chains are now off. Why? Because when God shows up, he just sets everyone free. Now, do we need to receive and respond to that freedom? You better believe it. Repent and believe. That's the only way. Just a few days ago, I was in, um, I was in uh, Canada and I'm preaching, and the Lord interrupted the thing, the flow that I had going. I had had like all of this stuff that I was preaching on identity to these, these young Arab believers, and uh, the Lord in my room says, "Hey, can I switch it up?" I'm like, "You can do whatever you want to. You're God." He said, do you care if they think that you're a good, polished preacher? I said, I do not care. He said, then all I want you to do is go and read this passage. You, you don't understand, though. I have now traveled from Florida to Toronto and three hours north, and people have paid money to come to this conference where they are expecting Pastor Otis to deliver some messages and my only message is to read this passage. 
Well, it was glorious what happened. I got in there, and I began to read this passage, and it just started happening. It just started happening. I'll be honest with you. I ended up reading this passage probably about 20 times. Just read it and read it and read it, proclaimed it, and all of a sudden, the prison doors started to shake and fling open. And those who were listening at the conference got set free. It was the most amazing thing. There was a young man there they had been praying for for two solid years. He was in such bondage, such, such all kinds of, his, his, his pastor said, I, I can't even believe what, what's happened. I cannot even believe. And that was the night he got gloriously set free. By the, way, by the way, that happened in the hallway. Because things had just gone berserk. Like literally, people are on their faces and they're repenting before the Lord. All I did was read this. Over and over, they were, they were on their faces. Some were dancing, some were spinning, some were shouting, some were getting healed. It was amazing. And then I had to go to the bathroom. So I just left them and all of that goodness that's going on. And I had to go to the bathroom. And there, there's the young man with this, this snake bite in his face. You know, it's like a jewel. I'm going to the bathroom, washing my hands. I'm like, i got to rush back in. And there he is, the guy that you could tell is not into what you're doing at all. Until you walk out of the bathroom and he's looking at you in your eyes and, and you see tears in his eyes and he says, I need to talk to you. I said, and right then the Lord spoke to me. He said, oh yeah, this is actually what the Lord says to you. You, you. you think you need answers from me, but this is actually what you need. And I spoke to that and right there on the spot, right there he repented and gave his heart and life to the life of Christ. We go back in, we go back in, this is absolutely amazing. We go back in, and I'm telling you, when God comes in, when people worship, I'm telling you, the foundations are shaking. Doors come open and chains fall off. The one who they've been praying for for two years immediately becomes an evangelist. He goes in and finds the, another guy. Who's another one that's the worst one, the other worst one, because they all hang out together. He says, he grabs him and says, you come with me. And he brings him to me and he says, he needs to talk to you. <laughs> and I shared and I said, I have seen him walk through the service. And I, 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 um, I heard the Lord tell me the secret of his heart. I heard what he was thinking. He said this, I wish they would stop telling me what to do. And so when I saw that was the guy that he had, they had pulled up to me, I said, oh, I said, this is the providence of God. I said, I heard your thoughts in the service. He looked at me. I said, yeah. I said, the Lord, let me hear you say, I wish they would stop telling me what to do. He starts to weep and says, how did you know? I don't know other than we had been worshiping. Literally, in that service, we worshiped. I mean, those people were worshiping God like you would not believe. There was a girl, I think, who ran, and you'll like this since we're in our run for God. I think she ran for two solid hours in the service. 
And at one point ran out of the building and came back. She was so overwhelmed by who God was. She was responding in worship. This guy, who I hear his thoughts, immediately gives his life to the Lord. The pastor comes up to me. He says, he says, you are like a hunter. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I I was just going to the bathroom. <laughs> Can I just tell you, though, if you'll start worshiping, God will come and start not only shaking your personal, your personal prisons, but you know what happens? Everybody who's listening to your life, their chains start falling off. And if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you've just been listening in and you've been looking at other people's lives and wondering, could I ever have what God did for them? Could I ever have that kind of, uh, of prayer and connection to God? Could I, could I worship in the dark? Let me just tell you, there's a God that's drawing near to you and you're in the right place this morning because His Spirit is here to set you free of the prison of sin and He is here to set you free so that you know that your circumstance cannot hold you and that behavior that has tormented you for years and that has kept you locked and bound can no longer hold you because Jesus is King. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast from our series titled Bless the Lord. Remember, Worship is a response to who God is and what He has done. God sent His only Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins through His death, burial, and resurrection. Our hope for you is that you accept heaven's invitation to be forgiven of all of your sin and to begin a lifestyle of heartfelt worship by praying to receive Christ as your Savior today. Take time to connect with us and share what God is doing in your life through this ministry. You can connect with us through our website, InvernessCalvary.com, or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this message, and God bless.